good morning, afternoon, or evening, and welcome to the Bloody Disgusting Network. The following show is just horrifying. Beware. back to horror queers we're talking sweaty paul walker we're talking yellow and blue filters and we're talking why is this fucking movie an hour and 45 minutes and i'm joe well i'm trace and (laughs) i was gonna say we're talking the yellowest filter i've ever seen in a movie so there we go it's like somebody peed on this film reel. I am flabbergasted. So, y'all, we are talking Horror Queers alumni Rob Cohen's The Skulls. Yes, and you had to ping me to remind me that we have covered a film of his, because I was like, wait, we've never done a Fast and the Furious franchise film, have we? Oh my god, yeah. He, um, this man, uh, I mean, we're talking, so he got to start doing, like, Dragonheart was his big, like, boom, I'm in the business, and then he did Daylight with Sylvester Stallone, Okay. this, The Fast and the Furious, Right. Triple X, Stealth, No. The Boy Next Door. Yay! Yay! And The Hurricane Heist. (laughs) Oh, boy. Okay, yeah. So he is a man of many talents, all of which are bad action. I feel like most of our listeners have probably seen this movie before, but if you have not... It's not good. (laughs) Don't spend money on this movie. (laughs) Oh, yeah, no. Find this on streamers if you can, because it's, um, yeah. Well, I spent $3.99 to rent it on Amazon Prime, and I am now $3 out. So, um, yeah. (laughs) But before we go any further, we do have a guest on today's episode, Joe. Mm Mm-hmm. All right, everyone. She is the co-founder of the horror website Cackling Cauldron, and she's also got an amazing Twitch channel, Immortal Graves. Uh, for those of you who don't know what Twitch is, because I'm an old person, apparently, it is a the world's leading live streaming platform for gamers. And please welcome Steffi. Hi. How are you doing? (laughs) I'm doing great. And I was trying so hard not to just start scream laughing at (laughs) the yellow. (laughs) It's so egregious. I don't understand what they're thinking. Uh, And it started out like, okay, too, but it just, yeah, Yeah. no, it definitely was, it was, it's something special in its own entity. And it like, for me, well, we'll get into it eventually. It's got more character development than half of the people who are acting in this film. Yes! 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 I will say that I think the film is directed relatively flatly. Like, there's not a lot going on visually here, except for that filter, which is, I think, why it's so noticeable. Mm -hmm. Because there's nothing else to distract you. Like, oh, a great sequence, or that monologue, or that twist. It's just (laughs) like, okay, is it going to be yellow, or is it going to be blue? (laughs) (laughs) I think that's my big issue with this movie is that, you know, again, we talked The Boy Next Door last year, which is trashy fun. Like, it is yes. not a good movie, but it's no. it's not boring. No. This movie, I was quite bored watching it. It was a struggle to get through this 106-minute runtime. We should have called it The Snooze, is what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> Hi. Tip your waitresses. I'll be here all week. 
but Steffi, so you chose this movie. You you, you <laughs> yeah, want to come on and, and talk this movie. I mean, yes. I'm not blaming her for us covering it because that's on you, Joe. <laughs> that's 100 percent on me. Yes. <laughs> but please, like, what 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 is your connection to this movie? What made you want to talk about this movie? Well, I do remember seeing it when uh, it probably probably when it hit. Uh, like TV back after mm-hmm. it came out, mm-hmm. but I didn't really remember anything out of it. I might have watched it like another time after that, but when I saw it on like the list of choices for movies to pick, I was like, "Oh, I've been meaning to rewatch that one for a while. Let's do that one." Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then I rewatched it, and I was like, "Oh no, ah. <laughs> <laughs> I regret my choice." <laughs> you know what, though, Th- that's a really good like strategy to have because whenever Joe and I arrest a guest on other people's podcasts, we're always like, "Well, we don't want to do a movie we're going to cover." But what's something like that we just like want to talk about, or maybe something we want we want to watch, or that mm-hmm. we want to revisit soon? So I don't blame you for that. I'm just sorry you had to endure this. <laughs> yeah, there is a lot of like just going through my brain, like just the actors that were in it from calling them their character names from other shows. Mm-hmm. Oh, in my notes, I was just calling it like Joshua Jackson, Paul Walker, Coach. <laughs> yes, yeah, same, Coach. same. I I don't think I really. Oh, I do because I do have a note where I have a character's name in there, and that's like the other rest of the time it's 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 Pacey or like Joshua Jackson or Paul Walker or Leslie Bibb. Yeah. Yes, the characters could not imprint themselves on me enough to remember, and I rewatched it again earlier today. <laughs> oh, no. It's like a fugue state. The film just can't live in your brain because it's so forgettable. No, like t- tiny bit of info about how I watch movies when I'm covering them for this show is I actually do keep the Wikipedia summary up and I just follow along as I'm watching the movie because I just like to make sure I'm getting everything while I have subtitles on as well. Sure. But in the pl- plot summary for this, I remember reading it was like, oh, and then Ames does this. And I was like, who the fuck is Ames? And it's mm-hmm. William Peterson. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yes. The adult names in this movie are all-timers, folks. We are talking about Senator Ames Leverett and <laughs> Senator Lytton Mandrake. <laughs> that is Harry Potter fucking nonsense right there. <laughs> the Mandrake, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, and Christopher McDonald's provost, which, um, I mean, I know those exist. I know that's a real thing, but the mm-hmm. word is just so, ugh, um, Lombard. Like, uh. <laughs> Well, it's a back. Yeah. <laughs> it's part of your back. <laughs> And then to not even kill him, oh, wait, he gets shot in the back. Never mind. Um, I forgot that happened as soon as the credits rolled. <laughs> well, how many bad guys are in this movie? Too many, I feel. <laughs> but also, like, none? None, yeah. Yeah, there's no, like, overarching, like, one main bad person. They're all, it's the organization, I guess, that's the mm-hmm. bad thing. Which would have, I, I, I don't dislike the thesis of this film. I don't dislike the idea of this film. It's just, the dialogue is bad, the acting is bad, the direction is bad. Like, this is not a good movie. Mm-mm. I just wish there was, like, thrills to be found in it. And, yes. And we'll talk about it when we get there, but the closest I got to it is Leslie Bibb's car chase scenes. Mm-hmm. And you can tell because Rob Cohen actually knows how to shoot action. Yes. The problem is, is that there's no other action in this film. Oh my god. The climax. If you even want to call this climax <laughs> climax. There's no peak of anything. <laughs> I'm honestly, I'm retitling. I'm re-subtitling this film. It should be The Skull's subtitle, White Nonsense. Because that's what <laughs> this movie is. It's just white people being rich and being stupid. It really, really is. I was watching it and I had a friend come in just at the end of the car chase thing. Mm-hmm. I was just like, yeah, of course, that would be it. Black person came in and saved the day. 
<laughs> yes. Oh, and that actor, Steve Harris, I go guy from the practice. That is who he is to me. Okay. Yeah, well, it's for me also there was Shooter McGavin and uh, uh, yes! Grissom. Okay. <laughs> yes. Um, so wait, wait, Joe, I don't remember. Was it you or maybe it was Terry with Gaily Dreadful? But I brought up Christopher McDonald about uh, somewhere. And I was like, yeah, he's a bad guy in everything. He's Shooter McGavin. He's the bad guy in Flubber. Mm-hmm. He's the bad. He, he's the Dean and the house bunny. Like, yes. he's yeah. all this stuff. <laughs> he just came up recently. And then to see him pop up in here. And I think to me, there's so many ridiculous things about this movie that when I talk about them, I'm going to sound like I'm enthusiastic, but really, it's so boring to watch it unfold on screen. But he is by far my favorite character, because as someone who works at a university, I love the idea of a provost with nothing better to do than literally chase down (laughs) women and incapacitated (laughs) asylum escapees so that he can shoot them on abandoned railroad tracks. I'm sorry, that person has an institution to run. They ain't got time to be doing henchman shit. That was my thought as well. And, okay, so I want to read y'all a quote that Rob Cohen said about this movie. And again, Rob Cohen is the director. Mm -hmm. So he's very fond of this movie. He really likes it. Okay, well that makes one of us. He says, (laughs) It was a very intense set because I had in my mind that I was telling the story of George Sr. and George W. Bush. I (laughs) I know, I, I... I cannot believe those words actually like exited his brain when I read that. Yeah. Sir, sir. It is nutty. <laughs> I had gone to Harvard that had the dining clubs, but not the Skull and Bones, the secret societies. Because the Skull and Bones, and we'll go into this in a little bit, is an actual secret society at Yale mm-hmm. University. Yes. But I knew a lot about secret societies, and I thought this is how the elite functions. This is how the elite knits together these bonds that take them through life and keep them in the elite heights of any society. And I was very excited about portraying that with Paul and Josh and all the cast. To create this secret world of power elites. That was very exciting to me. (laughs) And I got... (laughs) I'm sorry, he keeps saying... (laughs) Just blowing his own dick here. (laughs) That was very exciting to me, and I got the cast excited about that idea. It's interesting how many of the critics missed this and didn't understand it and blew it off as silly. Uh. Skull... <laughs> yep, I, wait, one last thing. Skull and Bones is a reality, and the film got very close to how that reality works at Yale. Um... Right. <laughs> <laughs> Who wants to tell him? I mean, he said he, wa- he wasn't in one, but he knew all mostly all about them kind of so <laughs> so secret societies have always like really intrigued me especially yes. as a canadian where we don't even really have like fraternities and sororities and stuff like that very much yep. in our universities here so i have like watched uh, unfortunately i can't think of like anything coming to mind right now but right. i've watched you know and read fiction uh, based around secret societies and let me tell you this one did not portray a believable reality of it mm-hmm I think if if this was made with the intention of being a satire, I think it would work better. Because this is a lot. <laughs> this is a lot that's going on with no emotional stakes whatsoever. And I think if they had done it with like a bit more of a bite to it, it would work so much better. And so many of the stupid things in this movie would read more as critique than they would as stupid. Mm-hmm. 
One of the issues that I have with it is that this is the kind of bread and butter film that I used to love watching in the mid to late 90s. Stuff mm. like Enemy yes. of the State and The Net and all of those kind of conspiracy <sighs> theory. Oh, everyone is out to get you. Everyone mm-hmm. is interconnected and they're going to be able to find you wherever you go. I love that kind of shit. Mm-hmm. And those movies work because they are either legitimately thrilling or they are campy as fuck. And The Skulls doesn't want to go in either of those two directions because it's trying to be a serious critique of this, like, secret society moniker, but it's also not willing to actually have any fun or be scary about it. So as a result, it's just boring. It just fell flat right in between all of it. Yes. And it is not homoerotic enough for a movie about a bunch of dudes, like, changing Mm -hmm. clothes around each other should be. No, I think that put, like, there's so much potential with the cage. Yes. <laughs> that cage scene, honestly, that is like an edging scene as someone who was like so looking for queer content. Off. You're no. just like, come on. Yes, take their shirts well, off, have them be pressed up against each other or something. Yes. Come on. My husband walked in when I was watching and he was like, why are y'all covering this? I don't remember this being very queer. And I was like, we're going to fucking try. We're going to try. <laughs> it's going to work. We are going to squeeze blood yeah. out of this rock. <laughs> Even talking about those movies you're talking about, Joe, from the mid-90s, so when I finished watching this on Amazon Prime, you know, like, they'll, like, queue up a movie to watch next, and I guess it was something free, but as the credits rolled in this movie, it goes, up next, antitrust, and it's- Oh my god, yes. (laughs) It's, like, Ryan Phillippe and Rachel Lee Cook, and I want to say Tim Robbins, but, like, it's the exact same kind of movie. It's, it's like, The Net, but, like, in 2001, instead Mm -hmm. of 1995. (laughs) Yeah, and they, they just never recapture the glory, I think, but it's very funny to look at this film, because nobody has cell phones, nobody uses their computer- wasn't there a cell phone like once in it? Like when he goes in the astronomy, astrology, astrology, astronomy. <laughs> it, it, it's when Paul Walker kills Hill Harper because he calls his dad right. on a cell phone. But, but again, he's ah. the elite. He's rich. Mm-hmm. Yes. It just, they're acting like technology kind of doesn't exist in this film. And partially it's because of the exact time that it's being released in where yes. we're, we're still really transitioning between outdated technology and new technology. Um, wait, wait, I'm sorry. There is a computer in this movie because it's busy painting the entire time. I don't oh. want to talk about the Jackson Pollock thesis. <laughs> I mean, I do. I feel will. like that whole thing was completely unnecessary. Well, okay. You think when they chase her through her room, okay, because it, it, it makes noise, it bangs, and so yes. it distracts them. But I was like, why would none of these people getting splashed by paint? Like, they should have <laughs> walked in front of this screen, and she should have, like, beat them with giant paintballs. I don't understand why we're not doing that here. There's so many missed opportunities. The only credit I'm willing to give this film is that it is entered our oeuvre of uh, dumb waiter horror films. Oh, yes. Yes. <laughs> yes, that was one good thing. One good thing was the dumb waiter. Best role in the whole movie. 100%. So, so what have we got, Joe? We've got Halloween H2O. And both pet cemeteries. Both pet cemeteries. There is an Are You Afraid of the Dark episode, or maybe Goosebumps. Fuck, we mm-hmm. had this conversation and someone corrected me, but I was going to okay. say, yeah, we're, we're definitely going to miss one, and you're going to hear from that person all over again. It's okay. <laughs> Dumbwaiters are very good. Yes, more more horror with dumb waiters, but actual proper scariness. Not Ooh. I'm delivering a pizza to your giant palatial dorm room. <laughs> Ready or not? Would yes. that yes. you a dumb yes. waiter? Yes. Uh huh. One hundred percent. Yes. Thank you, Steffi. Oh You're my god. Welcome. Someone make a letterbox list. <laughs> yes. Dumb waiter horror. <laughs> dumb waiter horror. <laughs> 
<laughs> you know someone's going to do it now. Yeah, for sure. Please send it to us. Um, okay, before we get into the plot, do y'all know much about these secret societies? Because I, I went to a university, but it, it was a public one. Mm-hmm. And I also mm-hmm. really don't like the Greek. No offense to anyone who was in it, but I don't like the Greek system because mm-hmm. it's always felt very culty to me. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, even more so with secret societies. Yeah. Well, they are cults. Yeah. Yeah, the secret societies are basically cult. Mm-hmm. Yes. But with the, the whole political and monetary gain for all members. Mm-hmm. Instead of just one lead head member. Right. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's not just that you get to move into a nice house. It's that you stand to directly profit from it, not just while you're at the institution, but hypothetically into the future mm-hmm. due to connections and so mm-hmm. on. It sounds kind of gay. Well, I mean, <laughs> when we go, oh, th- so uh, secret society sort of thing as well. Uh, there is an episode of Buffy. Yes. In, 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 right in uh, what, season two, I want to say. Mm-hmm. where they had uh, the fraternity that had the secret society where they were sacrificing girls yes. to a demon, mm-hmm. which was definitely also better done than this. <laughs> oh, by far. Yeah. <laughs> that one yes. was also more queer because it had a giant snake in it. Yeah. And more shirtless action. Mm-hmm. Yes. Honestly. But yeah, I, I just, when it comes to the secret society thing, and especially because it's the skulls, because they were founded around the founding of the CIA. Mm-hmm. And it's also to sort of direct, uh, the, like, the political direction of, of the United States as well. They place their members in, into politics and, and into, like, well, positions, uh, you know, higher positions so that they have a lot more influence in just the whole country and how it works. Almost to a point, like, where, uh, I even hate to say it, but, like, where... The last president of the United States was just sort of swinging things around to benefit his business friends. Yep. It sounds like a familiar story. I don't even want to say his name. (laughs) (laughs) I sometimes refer to him as Orange Cheeto. That's exactly what my daughter refers to him as. Oh. Okay, well, so a bit of history with the Skull and Bones, which again, they have their own Wikipedia page. So they're also known as the Order the Order 322, or the Brotherhood of Death. Just, <laughs> so I, pleasant. I'm, sorry. I'm making a jack-off motion. <laughs> Jesus. Um, it's an undergraduate senior secret student society at Yale in New Haven, Connecticut. The oldest senior class society at the university, Skull and Bones, has become a cultural institution known for its powerful alumni and yeah. various conspiracy theories. The conspiracy theories are what this movie is based on. So again... Theories. Maybe it's true, maybe it's not. I don't really I don't really care, to be honest. So it is one of three big societies at Yale, the other two being Scroll and Key and Wolf's Head Society, which, again, jack off motion. These all sound <laughs> like future Netflix shows. Yeah. The, the members of the society are called Bonesmen. Mm, oh. Yes. Yes, again, this is true. How do you not make this movie queer? Come on. <laughs> I gotta... <laughs> it's, like that, it's like that American Dad uh, sketch where they're watching the Bones. It's like, Dr. Bones, I have a bone. Is the, There's a call about a bone on the bones. Ugh. <laughs> 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 uh. So this this society was founded in 1832 after a dispute among Yale debating societies. Oh my God, Lenonia Brothers in Unity and the Calliopean Society yep. over that season's Phi Beta Kappa awards. Jesus. Two yeah, two members, William Huntington Russell and Alfonso Taft, co-founded the Order of the Skull and Bones. 
you'll notice Taft is an uh, ancestor of President mm. Taft. Right. Mm-hmm. Is that one of the three presidents referenced in the opening scroll of this film? Oh my god. Wait, <laughs> that scroll portends so much doom that this movie does not have. <laughs> no. It's the most ominous part of the movie. Yeah. It, yeah. And it's it's good. It's It's really good. So yeah, basically their assets are managed by its alumni organization, the Russell Trust Association. Incorporated in 1856 and named after the Bones' co-founder. Basically, the, the society selects new members among students every spring as part of Yale University's TAP Day and has done so since 1879. Since the society's inclusion of women in the early 1990s, which, by the way, there's a story there, <laughs> Skull and Bones selects 15 men and women of the junior class to join the society. They tap those that it views as campus leaders and other notable figures for its membership. Um, they do have a tomb that looks like, I guess, what the war room is in this movie. Or maybe it's the coffin room, because we never see that again. Ugh, such a I got so excited when I saw the coffin room. Yes, yes I was like, I, I want to wake up in a room of a local, like in a coffin. And then I was like, oh, wait. <laughs> Do I? <laughs> Will I? <laughs> I mean, one day, sure. Uh, now, the way they select Bonesmen, um, it's uh, so membership developed a reputation in association with the power elite. One member wrote, if the society had a good year, this is what the quote unquote ideal group will consist of. Oh, God. I know. A football captain, <laughs> a oh, chairman Lord. of the Yale Daily News, okay, a conspicuous radical. I'm sorry, what? <laughs> <laughs> now, maybe y'all can tell me what this is. A whiff and poof. Oh, that's one of the um, acapella members. I know that oh. because the Gilmore, Gilmore Girls. Oh my god! Oh. <laughs> well done, Steffi, because I was just going to make another queer joke if we're going to be honest. <laughs> oh my yeah, god. Richard was Wait. a member in Gilmore Girls. What, what, is, what is the society in Gilmore Girls? The one, it's the... Oh, um... Oh, I don't remember, but I do remember Inomnia Paratus, but that's because I have it tattooed on me. It's the, it's, it's, it's the umbrella. They jump off the thing with the yeah. umbrellas. Yeah. Oh, it's the Life and Death Brigade. That's right. <sighs> God, okay. they, they sucked so bad. Uh, worst. <laughs> <laughs> and this is now a Gilmore Girls podcast. <laughs> oh my God, I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll do it so hard. I would do it. Uh, okay. After Whiff and Poof, we've got a swimming captain. Right. A notorious drunk with a 94 average. <laughs> That is so specific. <laughs> a filmmaker. Yes. A political columnist. Obviously. Wait, didn't you say that one already? No, I said a chairman of the Yale Daily News. Jesus, we are splitting hairs with this <laughs> membership list. A religious group leader. Ew. <laughs> so a cultist. Yeah. A chairman of the lit. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh my God. A foreigner. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? No. But also, obviously, they would do that. Oh, 100%. No, we're super inclusive, folks. Don't worry. We have one foreigner. (laughs) We have someone whose skin tone is darker than taupe. Y'all, this gets better. No. A ladies' man with two motorcycles. Two. Two. (laughs) (laughs) Can one be tiny? (laughs) An ex-service man. Okay. A Negro. No. (gasps) I was honestly waiting for that after you said foreigner, though. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then, if there are enough to go around, a guy nobody else in the group had heard of ever. So that's right. Pacey this time. Yeah. <laughs> He's the townie. That, 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 right. They're missing the townie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, shouldn't there be, like, the poor person in this list? Yeah. Ooh, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, obviously, it's really big uh, and really fucking pompous and elite. 
Like most other Yale senior societies, the Skull and Bones membership was almost exclusively limited to white Protestant males for most mm-hmm. of its history. Shocking. I, while some Catholics were able to join such groups, Jews were more often not. Also shocking. Yeah. But the way they got around this was star football players tapped for Skull and Bones included the first Jewish football player and African-American player. Um, that is 1938 and 1950, respectively. So they had to like accomplish something. They couldn't just... Exist. Yeah. <laughs> be, they be couldn't themselves. have two motorcycles. They had to do... You <laughs> right. Know. You know, ah, uh, you only had the one. You were so close. You just needed that second motorcycle. Oh, God, that's all he was missing. Now, when it comes to women, so it became coeducational. So, sorry, um, Yale, not the society, the school became coeducational in 1969. Right. The skull and bones remained fully male until 1992. The bones class. <laughs> The Bones class. I just can't. Dr. Bones? <laughs> Something about a bone. <laughs> Episode subtitle. Something about a bone. <laughs> the Bones class of 1971 attempted to tap women for membership, but that was opposed by Bones alumni who dubbed them the quote-unquote bad club and quashed their attempt. The issue, quote-unquote, as it came to be called by Bonesmen, was debated for decades. So in 1991... Uh, the class tapped seven female members for membership in the next year's class, which caused conflict within the Alumni Association. The trust changed the locks on the tomb, and the Bonesmen instead met in the Manuscript Society building. So basically, they were like, let's let women in. And they're like, nope, fuck y'all, and they locked them out. <laughs> we're changing the locks. Bye. Wow. A mail-in vote by members decided, and a vote of 368 to 320, to permit women in the society. This is why mail-in voting works, folks. (laughs) Oh my god. (laughs) But a group of alumni led by William F. Buckley obtained a temporary restraining order to block the move, arguing that a formal change in bylaws was needed. Now this is good. Other alumni, such as John Kerry, spoke out in favor of admitting women. Uh, The dispute was highlighted on an editorial page of the New York Times, And on a second alumni vote in October of 1991, they agreed to accept the class of 1992, and the lawsuit was dropped. Okay, so I have a question. Let me know if there's more, and I can just hang it there for a moment. No, go. You're good. So we keep saying secret society. (laughs) (laughs) How do we know who the former members were? Why is it being editorialized on the cover of major newspapers? This is no longer secret. This is bullshit. So, I have one thing left to say, and it addresses your exact concern, so that's good timing. Okay, okay, hit me with it. The names of its members were not kept secret. That was an innovation of the 1970s, but its meetings and practices were. Okay. While resourceful researchers could assemble member data from these original sources, in 1985, an anonymous source leaked rosters to Anthony C. Sutton. Now, here's the funny thing. The membership information was kept privately for over 15 years, as Sutton feared that the photocopied pages could somehow identify the member who leaked it. Mm. He then wrote a book on the group, which is called America's Secret Establishment, An Introduction to the Order of Skull and Bones. The information was finally reformatted as an appendix in the book Fleshing Out Skull and Bones, a compilation edited by Chris Milligan and published in 2003, so after this movie even came out. Wow. Ah. We should have read the book. (laughs) (laughs) You wrote the book on this, Joe. (laughs) 
<sighs> so th- I mean, that's all I have really about um mm. that. I just it's so silly. Like it's so. And again, if you're a listener and for some reason you're a member of the skull of, of a secret society, <laughs> we're willing to accept checks for a hundred thousand dollars and also convertibles. <laughs> yes, a hundred thousand American dollars. Yes, please. <laughs> It's all just very elitist. It's very silly. It's very fucking dumb. It's very, you know, it it is what it is. It's white supremacist. Yes. And misogynistic. What's that's not the word. Patriarchal. Yeah. It's yeah. kind of all. It's yeah. It's racist. It's misogynistic. It's patriarchal. It's yeah. um elitist. Did we say it's everything that we're trying to like get rid of and tear apart today? Yes. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Well, and particularly when you think of the idea that because it's elitist and then people's membership permits them entry into these upper echelon positions, it really becomes like a white dude circle jerk. Yes. And spoiler alert, I watched the second movie in preparation (laughs) for this as well. And they love to hammer home the idea that it's also always kept within the family. So there's a lineage hierarchy as well. So if your dad was in it, if your Mm -hmm. uncle, if your brother. So it's Mm -hmm. very incestuous in that regard as well. Also, there's a second Skulls movie? Oh, there's There's three. three. (laughs) (laughs) And let me tell you, they don't get better. They're super boring as well. Oh my goodness. I mean, that's the thing. I I saw this not in theaters, but when it it hit Blockbuster VHS shelf. So it would have been late 2000. And even as an 11-year-old... I thought this was boring. And, you know, like you have nostalgia for movies and you can go back and be like, oh, maybe yeah. I, because I, I was a kid, maybe it was boring because I, I wasn't able to appreciate like the cinematic art. Mm-hmm. Not the case, but this oh, one. Oh, God, is... no, not in this case. No, <laughs> this is no glass house. This is no the in crowd. <laughs> right. So this, this movie, and I'll, I'll get through this really quick. This movie opens on March 31st of 2000, released by Universal Pictures with a budget of $35 million. What? Not they where did they spend all that money? The crew scene. <laughs> <laughs> they had to pay that one dude extra so he could throw himself off the boat. Yeah, and there's that one shot where I was like, "Well, they didn't have drones then, so that must have been spendy." <laughs> right, mm-hmm. helicopter mm-hmm. and the car yeah. scene, and when they're dri- they yeah. ruined two cars in this movie. I mean, legitimately, the car scene is probably a place where they did spend a bit of money, but that number does seem very high for what this mm-hmm. film is. This is filmed in Toronto as well. Yes, it exactly. was. It was filmed at the University of Toronto, which is, <laughs> I was like, there's no way this wasn't filmed, like, anywhere but Canada when I was watching it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, folks, you should have been like, hey, it's exciting that Yale looks so much like the university that Natalie and Brenda went to in Urban Legend. <laughs> <laughs> So it opens in the number three spot with $11 million behind Aaron Brockovich in its third weekend and The Road to El Dorado in its first weekend. Domestic gross is $35 million. So it made back its money exactly. But, you know, given that there's still marketing costs, um, it uh, was considered a flop. Mm-hmm. Although worldwide gross is $50 million. So, I mean, it made a little bit more money, but I still don't think it's enough to make it like to really no, earn a profit. No. But also, why then do we have two direct-to-video sequels? Like, Bring It On costs way less than this movie, gross like $60 million, and then also had direct-to-video sequels. Like, these things are not the same, and yet The Skulls apparently deserves this. Uh, I wonder if it's just like Hot Boys, they thought a bunch of teen, preteen girls were going to eat it up? I mean, okay. probably. I was, you know, that time I was hitting almost 20. Mm-hmm. But I was probably like, ooh, Paul Walker. Right. Yes. 
that's probably where the end of my my whole train of thought was. Right. Yeah. You were like, here's $13. Please give me Joshua Jackson and Paul Walker. I never really thought Joshua Jackson was that attractive. Agreed. So, agree. okay, wait, wait, wait. So I actually, okay, this is terrible. I actually really thought he was super sexy in Cruel Intentions when he's got the bleached oh, hair. Oh, yes, that's the oh, only yeah. time. And the he's super gay. <laughs> Very gay. That was done so well. Ugh, just I did movie. not know though. I mean, like, because I was like, where has he been? He's been on TV. Oh, yeah. He's been killing it on TV for like two decades. Yeah. yeah. He's he, the affair, little fires everywhere. He was in Ava DuVernay's When They See Us. I mean, like, honestly, I looked at that. I was like, good for you, Joshua Jackson. Like, <laughs> make I find him money. a lot more attractive. I was going to say the same thing. He has aged. <laughs> he, a bit he's like aged a fine very well. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, that's literally the second thing I wrote was, ugh, I never thought Percy was very attractive. <laughs> Pacey! Pacey! Percy. <laughs> I wrinkled a Percy, I did! <laughs> oh no! That's amazing. Oh, wonderful. <laughs> I've never seen a single episode of Dawson's Creek, and I always thought Pacey was a girl. Wow, okay. No, not because I, I didn't, I thought that was a girl's name. I didn't know who, I didn't know it was Joshua Jackson, I just thought it was a girl. So whenever I see people say like, oh, Dawson and Pacey and... Um, who are the girls in that show? What Joey. are they called? <laughs> Joey. Yeah, because Kevin Williamson does like to do the name gender flip thing. Mm-hmm. Which, queer creator, there you go. Sure. Could have used his uh, wit in this movie, but... um, <laughs> Holy moly. Critics hated this movie. We are looking at a 9% on Rotten Tomatoes with an average score of 3.3 out of 10. This did make Roger Ebert's most hated list, and he called it so ludicrous in so many ways, it achieves a kind of forlorn grandeur. No. No. Disagree. <laughs> it doesn't know. That's the boy that's the boy next door, sir. Yes. The letterbox score is a 4.8 out of 10. So clearly some of y'all out there enjoy this movie. Well, you might want to turn it off now cuz we're about to go into it. I wonder how many of them have rated it based on memory versus watching it recently. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. I really did have a completely different memory of this film. It is one of the reasons I programmed this. I think I was confusing it with David Dakota films because maybe I was thinking of Voodoo Academy or The Brotherhood. I feel like there was another movie that actually came out around the same time on the same thing, like actually on the skull and bones. And I might have been confusing the two of them as well. But I do know I had seen this one. Yeah. Yeah. Well... I mean, let's talk about this movie. I mean, I'm sorry, we've been talking about it, but but, but, but let's talk about this plot. Right. What I plot? somehow have two and a half pages of plot. Oh my God. There's just so much that happens and yet doesn't happen in this movie. Let's do it. So as we mentioned, we open with an ominous scroll about how ultra powerful the secret society of the skulls are. Wait, wait, let me, let me try, let me try. Okay. <clears throat> In a world. <laughs> In a world. <clears throat> Every year at certain Ivy League colleges, an elite group of students is chosen to join secret societies. Unlike fraternities, these societies conceal their actions as they mold the leaders of the future. At least three U.S. presidents are known to have been members. The most powerful secret society has always been Ellipses, the Skulls. <laughs> okay, but why did you do it with the voice from Thanksgiving? <laughs> Dark meat. All carved. That, that's in case like people that are making trailers are like looking for new voices and now they'll hear that and be like, oh, he can do it. <laughs> oh, okay, you're auditioning for a second career. I see. 
<laughs> yep, that's it. I'm, I'm trying to get out. I see. Okay. Well, uh, good luck to you, sir. Godspeed. <laughs> so, yeah, so we have that crawl. And then we are introduced to Luke McNamara, played by Joshua Jackson. And he is a quote, unquote, townie who's attending <laughs> this college on a rowing scholarship. And that means that he has to shove oatmeal at people in the cafeteria <laughs> and get treated like garbage. Yeah, this cafeteria, um, I mean, again, we have this first scene, and this is the most Kevin Williamsy bit of dialogue, too, is when he's like, I'm sorry you haven't had your uh, low-fat soy grande cappuccino or whatever yet. And I was like, mm-hmm. well, that's really dated, but... <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> We're trying. We're trying. <laughs> I mean, at this point, you still think it might be a bit of a clever movie because of this kind of dialogue. The mm-hmm. opening was actually, you know it proceeded to build it up more than I, the rest of the movie was, um, yes. you know, it had the very classic, like late nineties, like early aughts, like the, the scene on the lake, mm-hmm. you know, the landscape yeah. scene going in and everything like that, <laughs> which is when I instantly went, Oh, this must be in Canada. <laughs> and then, you know, with the rowing scene and everything and then, and, and the cafeteria, like it's, it seemed like there was a tad bit of potential there. Mm-hmm. And then it just kind of, and then it craters, yeah. Yeah, it doesn't even crater. It just kind of like falls on the ground and leaves, like, kicks up a little bit of dust. <laughs> There's not enough impact for a crater here. Yeah, it crawls into the dumbwaiter and slowly lowers itself down. <laughs> so we go to Luke's giant, giant dorm room, which is so big that he can play football What is with in it. that? Wait, 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 wait. I'm sorry, wait, wait. Hold that thought really quick. My one question. When he delivers the cappuccino line to the guy, it's like mm-hmm. the other guy, like, tail between his legs. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Like, he's, like, <laughs> he's like getting bullied by Joshua Jackson in the cafeteria line, and then he just scutters away. I'm a rich person. I've never been spoken to this way. <laughs> <laughs> so dumb. Yeah. So this is where we meet Will Beckford. This is uh, his best friend, played by Hill Harper, as well as love interest Chloe, played by Leslie Bibb. So I will say this. One, Hill Harper I know from The Good Doctor. And I was like, oh, that's weird that this guy from The Good Doctor is like on in this movie. But I didn't realize that Hill Harper was a main cast member of CSI New York. Okay. See, that's so strange because I recognize his face so much, but I couldn't mm-hmm. play it. Sid. And I didn't really watch CSI New York or The Good Doctor. So now I'm trying mm-hmm. to figure out what. <laughs> <laughs> He's actually been in a lot of things, though. Like, like his, oh, okay. his, his filmography was like a lot more. Um, plentiful than I thought it was going to be because I'm like oh he's just that guy from the good doctor well the weird thing is is half of the people in this film have a career in television so Mm -hmm. it's not that we're familiar with seeing them from other films we're like oh I've watched you for years on insert show x well Mm -hmm. you know who deserves a better career Leslie Bibb Leslie fucking yes I loved her in Popular. Oh, so my God. So Trace has never seen it, and I keep <gasps> crying to talk to him about what it's like. <laughs> I've, seen, I've seen the Mary Cherry clip when she's stalked by the killer, like, like the, the horror spoof. Like, that's the one thing I've seen from mm. the show. It's very witty. It's like the oh, genius so of early good. Ryan Murphy. I will say the second season is abysmal, though. Yes. Yeah. No, 100% agree with you there. <laughs> well, nevertheless, I do love Leslie Bibb. Like, I think she's fantastic. She actually, mm-hmm. like, again, where I see her now, like, she's the mom in the two babysitter movies, Thankless Roles. Mm-hmm. And yeah. she pops up occasionally on ABC's uh, American Housewife mm. with, you know, former uh, podcast subject, Katie Mixon from The Quiet. And she's just like the 
silly, like, super white, skinny lady, like, across the street from her who's really rich. Right. And, of course, people, <laughs> if you think you've seen her and it's another episode that we've covered, it's because she also is the opening kill in Mother F. Trick or Treat. There we go. Thank you. Actually, okay, <laughs> we can get this out. There, There's an Amy Schumer sketch where she's talking about the movie The Zookeeper and how bad it is. Mm-hmm. But she's like, have y'all ever seen The Zookeeper? Okay, if you didn't, don't. Don't see that movie. <laughs> but the male, she's talking about like, like sexism in Hollywood. She's like, the male love interest in that movie is Kevin James. <laughs> she's like, yep. I know, ladies, is it wet in here? Is it just us? Oh, God. Oh, no. And Kevin James is married to a beautiful blonde skeleton. But he doesn't like her because she's mean to him. Uh, the blonde skeleton in question is Leslie <laughs> <laughs> She is frequently very skinny. Like, there's an arc in Popular about her eating disorder. Well, I just think she's very funny. Like, I, she always brings an energy to things. And again, in this yeah. movie, like, I, I told Joe before we recorded, like, I don't like this movie, but I do like that this movie never puts her in, like, a damsel in distress scenario. Yes. Mm -hmm. She has a lot of agency, and with the exception of some really weird line deliveries, and by weird I mean not good in the first act specifically of this film, Yeah, I like her in this movie. Yeah, I mean, there's enough that you wish she had more to do. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yes, I, I definitely wish she had. Well, I mean, I wish they all had, but specifically her. Mm -hmm. Yeah, <laughs> particularly because she is literally the only female character. So yes. this is like, this is a sausage fest. And then we're given little tastes of Leslie Bibb. And you just think, oh, yes, there could have been more here. And yet we yes. had to do with so much generic white boy here. I can't wait to get to this quote unquote sex scene. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> We've got a bit to get through before yeah, we get there. Go, go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> All right. So after performing well in a dramatic rowing race that literally requires throwing a teammate overboard to win, we call that foreshadowing, folks, Luke <laughs> is recruited by the Skulls. So at the initiation, a group of boys wake up in coffins, and this is where we're introduced to Caleb Mandrake, who is played by Paul Walker, looking as fine as Paul Walker ever mm -hmm. does. Speaking, though, of not being given enough to do. I thought he was the villain. That's what I misremembered. <laughs> I That's what I thought, too. I thought I remembered him as a villain. Yeah, right? I did, too. I 100% did as well. Were we all just thinking of She's All That? <laughs> Maybe? Maybe. There is an art scene in that with a girl who gets covered in paint and puts her hair and up and wears glasses. She actually does get covered in paint. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, you know, hey, so I get really annoyed when people confuse, like, I Know You Did Last Summer and Scary Movie with Scream. But I was about to, like, say, oh, my God, Janie Boggs or right. Lainey Briggs. Because mm -hmm. I, I could not tell you which one is She's All That and which one is Not Another Teen Movie. Yes. That's how good Not Another Teen Movie is. Yeah, I don't absolutely. think I've seen that another teen movie. I've oh seen my God. scary movies. Oh my God. Ah. Oh, Steffi, it's very funny. It's one of the best like parody films that came out during that era. Basically, scary movie one and two haven't really aged that well. Two worse mm -hmm. than one. Mm -hmm. Not another teen movie has aged very well. And it, oh, really? it's in part because it's a little bit less mean spirited. Like it has a reverence for the things that it's parodying mm -hmm. instead of just <laughs> clearly hating them. Yeah. But it is funny as fuck. <laughs> okay, well, I'll have to I'll have to move it up. Move yes. it up the list. I think it's on Netflix. Well, sorry, U.S. Netflix. Maybe not I was going to say, not applicable, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Canada. <laughs> oh, yes. Shout out to the Canadians. <laughs> <laughs> 
one thing I did when I, I mentioned though, because we had like the the crew scene in the beginning, and the one thing that was going through my mind was like, did Jackson actually like train for this? <laughs> was that actually him? Mm-hmm. Does Maybe his like budget. rowing, like his paddling from Dawson's Creek, like transfer? Like, oh, is- maybe. <laughs> Wouldn't that be funny if they were like, oh, we had to give him $1 million worth of rowing lessons, so. I, well, no, I wonder, so so you said he he rowed in Dawson's Creek, is, or is that yeah. like a joke? Okay. No, no, that's, they literally lived on a creek, and they rowed across it all the, like, okay. all the time. Maybe the script had, Luke does, in brackets, insert sport here. And so they hired Joshua Jackson, he's like, oh, well, I can row, and they're like, cool, crew. It's not really the sexiest <laughs> sport, but it's crew, let's do it. Well, it's also kind of stupid to note, but the boat is actually called a skull. It is. Oh, my God. (laughs) I actually have a really good friend who has uh, rowed professionally here in Canada, and I'm going to make him watch part of it later because I'm very curious to see how accurate it was. Why do you Mm -hmm. hate your friend, though? Oh, he's, he's my friend that I hate. he just has that Corey I love you (laughs) he just has that spot in my life nice okay I should note um so my husband watched this opening scene and then he said oh this is too boring I'm not going to watch the rest with you (laughs) but he did watch this part and he said that because he he went to Cornell which is a Mm -hmm. minor Ivy League school so Mm -hmm. he was familiar with some of the Greek fraternity stuff but also he knew people who were on their rowing team and Mm -hmm. he said that the fact that Will the Hill Harper character is shorter than Joshua Jackson doesn't Mm -hmm. make any sense because you actually want like a really tall person to balance out the skull actually that contradicts the information i have okay go ahead yes well um so Corey, who i just mentioned used to row and i used to um ask him like why he didn't i've forgotten what that position is called Mm -hmm. and i'm sure i'll take a a verbal beating for not remembering later but i said why don't you just do that he's like i'm too tall Okay, well, I'm going to default to your friend who did it, as opposed to my husband who sat on the couch <laughs> and watched this. Th- there's a name for that, though. It's not just captain. No, it's like a... It's like a cox... a coxswain or something? It's got a really strange name, but I mean... Yeah, coxswain. Coxswain, you're right. Yeah. yeah. See? Again, homoerotic. There's so much potential. <laughs> it's dripping all over this film. Come oh, on. my. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> I do love that that line delivery though when they when they introduce Paul Walker and he's like, "Why that's Caleb Mandrake. He was a skull since the day he was born." Ooh. And I was just like, "Of course they named him Caleb." <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Important to note that the white person sport that the skulls play in the second film is lacrosse. Of course it is. Of course yep. It is. I was... <laughs> oh my god! I'm gonna see if the third one has a sport. Yeah. Okay, we're going to continue while you look. Oh, there's, there's, there's. I'm sorry. There's no plot synopsis for the third one. It is, just a ca- it is, it is just a cast list. It's oh, just and, Claire Kramer and Barry Bostwick is one of the. Oh, oh yeah, Claire. Oh my God, Claire Kramer. Oh, Claire, mm-hmm. I love Claire Kramer. Actually, Steffi, I was going to say the jock from Popular is the main guy in the third film. Oh well, I might have to no torture don't. myself. <laughs> no, don't. <laughs> don't do it. <laughs> Okay, so we are back in this initiation thing. We're at the coffins, and they're then ordered, if they want to survive, they have to kidnap a rival secret society mascot, which is a python, again, with the imagery. Yeah, a lot of phallic. <laughs> so Caleb and Luke basically do all the work, even though they were told that they would be watched, which makes me think none of the rest of these dudes should have gotten into this secret society, because mm-hmm. they didn't do a fucking thing. 
Well, also, like, all these these members of society are, like, watching all these people all the time. So when are they getting their schoolwork done? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They're probably paying junior yeah. classmates to do it. <laughs> right. They're paying the provost. That's who they're do- That's what they're doing. Well, that is the thing. Yeah. <laughs> they probably get a free pass. Yeah. 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 Although, again, like, I-, I-, I like this aspect of this heist. You know, I love the wordplay. Oh, like, a snake without skin will show its veins. Ooh, it's the weather vein, which is a snake. Like, sure. that's cool and then there's just nothing else like i wish there was more like scavenger hunting (laughs) yes and more like mystery and riddles yeah yes any mystery well because there is no mystery everyone knows what's going on at all times but people act stupid about it Mm -hmm. yeah my one sort of question was like the fact that you know the skull and bones is an actual society and you know yes this was at the university of toronto but like they've got this building with the Biggest looking ivy I've ever seen on the mm-hmm, outside of it, mm-hmm. with a giant skull. Yes, I made and I was note like, of that too. They, is that how it actually is at Yale? Like, <laughs> I doubt it. Yale, att- Yale, Yale alumni, please let us know. I'm sure we have some Yale alumni listening. Right. <laughs> I just love the idea. It's meant to be a big secret, but yeah, there's a giant fucking skull over top of it. Like, who do you think you're fooling with this? So, uh, shockingly enough, no one is surprised when Luke comes home in the morning. He's still wet from falling in this moat. And then Will just gets irrationally angry at him that he has joined the secret society, but he won't talk to them about it. It's such a switch in his character. Yes. He knew that he wanted to get into the, you know, into Mm -hmm. the skulls. And he knew all about it. And then all of a sudden he's in and he's the worst person in the universe. And, you know, it was this huge thing. And I was like this huge 180, and it did not sit okay with me. No. That's, again, I mean, we're going to speak to some racism in the film, but it's like this black character is completely underserved in this film. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, I mean, again, a lot of characters are underserved in this film, but when you have, because the central conflict of at least the first half is between Luke mm-hmm. and Will. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And there is no work done. Because, again, like y'all said, like, it's literally like, oh, they're best friends to I fucking hate you. You're a douchebag. Like, Mm -hmm. there's no middle ground there. (laughs) That's when I knew because I'd forgotten what's going to happen is going to happen. And I was just like, well, they're definitely, uh, you know, ramping up some of or someone has to die soon is what I I put in my notes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Because there's nothing happening. Someone has to die soon. But wouldn't it have made more sense for Will to have been part of Luke's old crew? Like, they're both townies who are there on scholarship. They're both poor. And they're, you know, this is their big chance, but Luke is the one who seizes it. Sorry, wait, wait, no, he he was, though, because because Will's parents raised Luke. What? Hmm. How did I miss that? Wait, isn't that... Didn't hear that. (laughs) Hold on, hold on, hold on. Maybe I'm wrong. Um... Okay, Luke's mother died when he was young, while he doesn't know who his father is, and Will's family is the only family he had. Okay. I guess. And then they just went on a 180, and just like, oh, their friendship's completely over, their brotherhood is completely over. I don't... When he knew all along this was the potential of happening. It feels like an argument they would have had already. A little bit. He he says this in in the cage. In the cage is when he talks about his dead mother and how he didn't mm-hmm. have a father. Like that, that that's where all this comes out because he's saying why Will meant so much to him. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. I know. I, again, I don't think it's spelled out. That's also based on the Wikipedia summary. But right. that is that is when mm-hmm. that conversation happens. <laughs> So awkwardly enough, in the second film, there's actually a big plot point where the main character is trying to investigate mysterious suicides that have happened around campus, and he stumbles on Will's name, spoiler alert for this movie, 
And there's a scene where he goes to Will's family. So they introduce <gasps> a new actor what? and actor to play Will's parents. And they cry about how the secret society murdered their son. <laughs> So that's the connecting factor? It's so fucking uncomfortable. You're just like, Ugh. you hired black people to grieve for white people in this movie. Uh, it's so gross. So, okay. <laughs> well. Anyway, anyway. So, so wait, so hey, we're getting a phone. I, I'm going to speak to this one because I have something fun to say. So, and maybe you maybe you caught it, Joe. Mm-hmm. We get a phone call from Paul Walker and he's like, oh, he's like Josh. Yes. Josh, yeah. Did you catch who was in Paul Walker's room with him? I recognized her. It's Malin Ackerman. Is it? Yes! <laughs> so I looked at her and I was like, that looks like Malin Ackerman. And I looked in IMDb and she's like the last listed cast member as like co-ed in Caleb's dorm. Like that is her character's name. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Folks, if you don't remember who Malin Ackerman is, she is the lead in, well, co-lead in The Final Girls. Mm-hmm. And a lot of other things. And she's amazing. And she's also like Leslie Bibb, very underused. Yes. Mm. Well, clearly <laughs> this one. This would have been very early in her career, I gather. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like sh- she quote unquote broke out in Harold and Kumar. Right. Okay. Yeah, so that phone call confirms that they are both in. So yay, let's go and meet the adults who are governing this little secret society. So we are introduced to Senator Lytton Mandrake, who is played by Craig T. Nielsen. Mr. Incredible. (laughs) (laughs) As well as Senator Ames Leverett, played by William Peterson. How about this accent on William Peterson? Oh my god. attempt at a southern drawl it's like out of a john grisham novel it really is yeah okay so actually thank you for that because i actually figured that the skulls is trying to do the firm but for young people Mm, that was really where i got it from because especially luke wants to be a famous lawyer you're like oh okay Uh, yeah so Swinging back to how I called Pacey Percy mm-hmm. in my notes, in my notes here I have, um, oh my god, it's Grimace. <laughs> or whatever his name is from CSI. <laughs> oh my god. Grimace. <laughs> and then a few lines later, Grissom on all caps. Grimace. <laughs> it took me a moment, but I got there. Oh my god. Like, it is, because I, I, CSI, I think. No, it wasn't running during this. I think no. it started, like, the year after this. Mm. I, mean, I, I know for a fact it, it was airing when I was in seventh grade, which would have been 2002, 2003. Yeah. So yeah. this is close to it. He's on the verge of breaking out, but this was typical roles for Peterson. Like, aside from Manhunter, this is the kind of shit he was in. Mm. Okay. Yeah. Can we talk a little bit about this literal war room that we're in with the I... green crystal skull? I hate it so much. <laughs> and also for something that's supposed to be so old, it's so smooth and immaculate inside. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. no, no. It looks like they built a room so that they could kill someone in it. <laughs> <laughs> it I mean, yeah, I, 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 do, I do agree that it does look, I think the production design in this room is nice. It's striking, but it's not on point for what it should be, like Steffi said. I, yeah, yeah, I do wish that, yeah, like 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 we said earlier, I wish we got more of the coffin room. Like, why why isn't yeah. that? Well, actually, yeah. I, I wish we knew more about this layer, because again, the, the, the cage is in a separate room, too, so yeah, I want to know more about room. Yeah, the cage room was nice. Mm-hmm. I like that. Okay, that's... <laughs> it's all good for our spooky aesthetic, right? <laughs> it, it, it felt a lot more authentic than the rest of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yes, because it actually had some, some age to it, right? Yes, yeah. 
But that whole giant thing with the war on the wall, and I'm, I am glad that they did, you know, come back to that, and it wasn't just there. Can you imagine but, if they just had that and then never addressed oh it? Like, what? That? Honestly, though, it may have been better. <laughs> no. <laughs> Maybe. No. No, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Okay, so the pledges are arranged into pairs that are referred to as soulmates. I just... What? <sighs> I mean, how do you how do you write this as a straight person and think, yeah, we're just going to match these two boys up and call them soulmates. Ain't nothing gay about that. I mean, because Paul Walker is also, he, I guess they mention it once, but he's like a prodigy boxer. Mm-hmm. And we do get that one scene later where he's just shirtless, wearing the boxing pants, and it's just like, yeah, yes. like, there's... Yeah. I think, again, I think that's because there's, I don't think there were any queer people involved in the making of this film. Because someone should have said something that was like, y'all, come mm-hmm. on. Stop it with the queer baiting. <laughs> what are you doing? Mm-hmm. Or lean into the queer baiting and maybe you'll open up a new demograph for this failed movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So at this point, they get their wrists branded. And then those really painful open wounds are immediately covered up by fancy new watches. Yeah, that well, that's what I was like. It's a secret society, and they're just gonna brand them on the back of the wrist, and then they put the watch over it. I was like, oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, no one will ever see it now. <laughs> did they put the watches on immediately after they getting branded? Yes. yes. Okay, that would. I, I feel like I feel like that could lead to infection. Just just maybe a touch. <laughs> well, if you look at you know Joshua Jackson's wrist later on, like it does not look good. <laughs> they actually branded him for the film. <laughs> Like, oh my goodness. Yeah, it's just like this massive, like, black and red bumpiness the you entire know what? film. Okay, if you if you were an actor in the... If you were Joshua Jackson or Paul Walker, when mm-hmm. got, you know, R.I.P., God rest his soul, mm-hmm. would you, like, get maybe, like, tattoo commemoratives for the movies you were in? Like, I, honestly, if I was in this movie, I would get, like, a Skull logo tattoo. Like, I would totally do that. Uh, uh, yeah, if it maybe had been better. <laughs> It's tricky, right? If you're thinking, oh, this is a film that makes or breaks my career. Like, I could see doing it for the Fast and Furious, right? Because mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. becomes a cultural milestone. Ooh, terrible. Shouldn't have said no, that. But you know what? No, no. You know what, though? You've got to, you've got to get the, the mistakes on there, too. Like, a permanent reminder, I did the skulls. Never again. Right. And also, you know, a skull tattoo, not the worst Correct. This is true. Tattoo, yeah. You could always just relate it to anything else you wanted to. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't in the skulls. This is just a thing. <laughs> I like skulls. See, also Anna Ferris and the house bunny. Yes. She's like, wait, what? I just like the Playboy bunny. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I was like, wait, I'm sure she likes the house bunny. She's not embarrassed by that. <laughs> I'm just no trying to think of like, what's a bad film that you would be so fucking embarrassed to get a tattoo for? Ooh. <sighs> I got this picture of Kevin James for my time on the Zookeeper. <laughs> <laughs> well, now you can now you can cut off that, that anecdote. <laughs> oh dear! Oh, no. uh, okay, they okay. they get branded. Yeah, so they get branded. We learned a couple of other bullshit things, like their rules supersede the outside rules. Uh, there's 322 alumni, which seems like a shockingly low number considering they just admitted about 12 of these motherfuckers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And also, ooh, Mandrake is Caleb's dad. That'll be important. Proudest day of my life, son. <laughs> None of that boxing shit. <laughs> oh, and then he does the whole, the invitation to Thanksgiving dinner thing. 
Yes. Yes, that comes up when they go to their fancy mansion. Okay. But I I will say, okay, it is amazing how unrecognizable Craig T. Nelson looks with a mustache. You think so? I, 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 yeah, I, I, I mean, granted, y'all are like, oh, it's Coach. I'm like, oh, it's Zeke Braverman from Parenthood. (laughs) So. (laughs) These are different Different times. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Agree to disagree on that point, we'll say. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, so uh, basically in between this scene and the fancy mansion scene where he gets invited to Thanksgiving, we do see the terrible Jackson Pollock AI thesis project, and he discovers he is $20,000 richer. Uh, yeah, yeah. She is not getting an A for that project, by the way. No fucking way. No, she's programming the computer to... Well, she just made a machine. She made a machine. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's what she did. So I'm curious, though. Is it like, is she an art student or is she like... Is she an electronics? Yeah, like, what side of the fence is she? I think it's computer engineering. That's what I'm going to... Okay. I'm going to go with that. But it's not... I mean, that's why she makes the crack, where it's like, random is the program because it's just fucking shooting paint at the wall. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, like basically you developed a randomizer program. Congratulations, you can program Excel. But like, what's her thesis? Yeah, I guess it was how the random program came together. That would be the thesis. Hmm. Okay. I, yeah, I just felt like it just came out of left field and was, again, I'm not really necessary. No. Unless it paid off in that scene later, which it does not. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It does not. So. I think they think that it pays off by distracting... <laughs> Enough time for her to get into the dumbwaiter. Rob Cohen. The critics just really missed the uh, what I was trying to say with this paint machine. I, yeah. Yeah, no. I think <laughs> we're, yeah, we're all just really thick. We're not really understanding this film. <laughs> okay, yeah. So, invitation to Thanksgiving. Um, there's an analogy to kind of like a rules of the game where they eat what they hunt. And you're like, cool, maybe bring that into play at some point. But no. I thought they were going to hunt Pacey. Right? <laughs> I was like, they're gonna hunt Pacey. Would have been or a more gonna, interesting They're gonna film. hunt someone. Yeah, it's gonna be great. Like, yeah, we most dangerous game it. Like, yeah, let's fucking do that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Ugh, that's a better movie, yeah. right? And instead, we choose to focus on Caleb's daddy issues, and then of course Luke gets his own daddy issues because Senator Ames takes him under his wing. Blah. Actually, that is the nail on the head right there. The central conflict for this movie is not for our protagonist. No, mm-hmm. and that's... Hmm. The skulls. Daddy issues. That's the problem. I mean, I'm sorry. Yeah. It's a, It's not the problem. There are many problems, but that's a big problem. It's a big problem. Movie. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So this is when we get Hire by Creed playing as a cadre of hussies arrive, and they're basically <laughs> cheer girls. I absolutely lost it <laughs> when Creed started playing. And Trace doesn't get music, so he didn't realize that this okay. was Creed, but it is, like, so quintessential. So I got really confused when you messaged me, and so basically I was, I'm in another, like, Twitter message thread, and in that thread, everyone was talking about the Rocky movies and Creed, so it, 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 just, it, it just so happened that, like, two hours later you messaged me and you were like, oh my god, Creed, and I was like, wait, what the fuck? Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> and then I got I got it, but yeah, I li- watching the movie, I did not I did not pick that up. I, I only know Creed as the soundtrack for Scream Three. Yeah, but like the fact that we make so much fun of it in the Scream yeah. films, and then for it to show up here, you're just thinking, oh wow, Creed really did have a monopoly on thriller slash horror films <laughs> oh. in the early aughts. Actually, yeah, no, because this came out uh, almost two months after Scream Three. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm. 
Also worth noting that because this is a Rob Cohen film, this scene is directly aped and or referenced in Triple X, where there's a scene where Vin Diesel goes to like Russia or something, and he is mm-hmm. meeting with an arms dealer, and the arms dealer literally turns around to an empty doorway and just goes, bitches, come, and a whole <laughs> bunch yep. of like oh my God. sex workers more or less come through. Now that business is finished, we party. Bitches come. I I haven't seen that movie since theaters, so I don't. And he says the most amazing line of the things I'm gonna do for my country. Mm -hmm. Oh, that was a trailer line. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. I do love that these girls are basically fembots who have been programmed like they have a designated boy that they had to <laughs> memorize everything about. And again, this comes to nothing, which disappoints me because that could have been yeah, something again, fun too. Again, yeah. Except Caleb gets two. Oh, of course he does. Because his daddy is the boss. <laughs> Uh, when they return home the next day, they all have fancy convertibles. Who could care? Sure. <laughs> so this is when the friction between Will and Luke is mounting. Will misses mm-hmm. practice, and he's doing this so that he can break into Caleb's car, steal the key and the Skull's rule book, and then go into the hideout, start taking pictures. He's planning an expose, and then Caleb comes in, and then we cut. And then we discover Will's body is found in the newspaper office with the extremely convincing suicide note on the computer that says, <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, yeah. And I was just like, wow, they really did have to mm-hmm. hang the black guy. Yep. I mean, oh my God. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, right. He, he's essentially lynched in this movie. Like, mm-hmm. let's call it like it is. <sighs> yeah, I was not pleased. It's so reflective of what horror was doing in the 90s and mm-hmm. early aughts, where it was just mm-hmm. like, what, we have a black actor, what more do you want from Let's us? Let's kill him. Let's kill him first. <laughs> He's also the only death in this movie, apart from the provost. Uh, technically, Nelson dies too. Does he? I think Does so. He? Does he not? No, I thought I he just got shot. paying attention. Because they were like, doctor, doctor, we need a doctor. Oh my god. Wait, listeners, let us know. Because it's left left open-ended for the sequel. (laughs) Spoiler, he does not come back. Um, But I, hey, so I want to say this. Let me know if y'all think of the pacing of this. So this movie is an hour and 45 minutes long. This murder and then the provost's introduction Mm -hmm. happens at the 45 minute mark, which I think is way way too late late in this movie. Way too late. It's not even the first act. Yeah. And yeah. also, you don't even need the conflict between Luke and Will if we're going to murder Will anyway. Mm-hmm. Right? Why did he have to change his old friendship? The only the only th- reason I could think of to have that there was so that they would have had an argument to make Will a suspect. Yes. Yeah. Oh, That's the only yeah. reason. That's true. A hundred percent. But I didn't think it needed to be, like, on that, like, kind of a way. Like, Mm-mm. with a complete 180, they could have just had a simple argument. Yeah. And it would have counted. And it would yep. have been more convincing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's actually where we're at. So we're, we're introduced both to this provost, who is Martin Lombard, played by Christopher McDonald. And he rescues Luke after he is being questioned by Detective Sparrow, who I will spend the rest of this summary. And folks, just in case you haven't realized, sometimes I do this where I change character names. That doesn't mean that I think that's the character's actual name. <laughs> 
In this case, I'm going to call this detective Detective Patronizer for the rest of the film because <laughs> he talks down to Luke like he is a big old dum dum for the rest of the movie. This speaks to um, people not under picking up on Joe's jokes because he did that in one episode. He called a character someone else as a joke, mm-hmm. and we got so many responses that were like, "Um, Joe got the name wrong," and we're like, "No, we know, <laughs> no. <laughs> we know." It was a joke. I'm pretty sure that I know that the character is not Hillary Swank in Hocus Pocus, folks. Like, yes! Oh, yes! He, he, no. he, he, he called Vanessa Shaw Hoc- uh, Hillary Swank. And it, it, he was just calling the character Hillary Swank, but people kept correcting us. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. Uh, okay, but yeah, I really dislike this character of Detective Sparrow because he is brought on as the new antagonist. So we basically got mm-hmm. rid of one um, black actor. I was saying he's the new black person. The- yes. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and you're right, Steffi, that Luke immediately comes under suspicion. So the whole rest of the movie, I think, is meant to be tense because he doesn't have anyone he can turn to, but it doesn't play that way. But But the twist uh, later is that... Steve Harris, who, again, guy from the practice for me, mm-hmm. the guy from the practice is working for Ames. Yes. Yes. There's factions in the skulls where it seems like you're either supporting Coach or mm-hmm. Grisham. <laughs> <laughs> Are you team Coach or team CSI? Oh, my God. <laughs> Uh, so this is where Luke starts to put it together that Will had been in the skulls because he discovers his rule book when he's packing up Will's room. And then at the funeral, Chloe, who is still a part of this movie, says, hey, Will was doing an expose. And she says he even had job offers. I don't think this is how it works. I don't think no. so either. No. 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 Also, if we're going by the rules of what a good class of the skulls would have been, isn't Luke like the editor of the paper? Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. I mean, sorry, sorry, sorry. Will's the editor of the paper. Yeah, so he, yeah. he should have been included. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Also, we've sort of decided that, you know, Will and uh, Luke grew up together, yes. right? Yeah. And not wealthy. Mm-hmm. That funeral, although it was not exorbitant, <laughs> would have cost so much so much money. money. Yes. <laughs> well, it was paid for by the skulls, or Why? maybe, or maybe Luke paid for it with his twenty thousand dollar bonus. I think it would have cost more than twenty thousand dollars. I think it would have cost so more than twenty thousand dollars. Yeah. yeah. And he had a forty five thousand dollar tuition bill, so he really needed yeah. that shit paid. Oh my god. Yeah. So, th- but I was just like, this this funeral is a little excessive for yeah. Mm. Mm-hmm. It's quite lavish. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Mm-hmm. But you know what? Who cares about any of that? Because we're up to this final stage of admission, which is the revealing process, ladies and gentlemen, which <laughs> is where we lock men into a tight, confined quarters underground and let them ask each other anything. So, okay. My, so much potential. It's so much potential. <laughs> my only big question is, though, so everyone that's above them that's not in the cage can see them and hear them. Yes. Which I thought that was weird. Like, why isn't it a... The way they described it, it was like, no, 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 you are closed. I guess maybe you lose air. But, like, you are closed (laughs) off in this case. You can ask anything in the five minutes before you pass out. (laughs) Yeah, I also thought it was really dumb because, really, it should just then be a public forum. Like, why not hoist them up into the air and have everybody watch the transaction or something? See, I thought it was up into the air. It would have been better. See, I, th- I think because it was at this point where I started just to kind of like... Zone not, out? I, yeah, I was having to work really hard. 
I checked the timestamp so many times in this movie because I was like, no. how, much how much time is left? And it just, it was like minutes were crawling by as I was watching this <laughs> My movie. My notes pretty much die around this No, I, got, no. I have really detailed notes up until this point. And then, yeah, like, it's like, okay, this happens. This yeah. happens. And this happens. <laughs> yeah. I love that we had to delay starting this podcast recording because I said, I have so many notes, I have to edit them down. <laughs> Give me five more minutes. I did call this, though, the gay cage thing. Yes. I know. Yeah. Yes. This is where all of the potential for this film lies as a queer property. And folks, mm -hmm. savor this moment because... Because that's all you're going to get. downhill <laughs> until we see Paul Walker shirtless mm -hmm. a little bit later. Wait, is it after this? No, it, it, no. After this scene, all the boys are in the locker room for mm -hmm. some reason, <laughs> changing clothes. We do get that because they have to wear fancy dress for all of the initiation things. Yes. But oh then they God. get to go back into their regular clothes, I guess, because we're still trying to keep it a secret. I'm glad that we all watch like a clearly different parts of this movie. So when one <laughs> of us gets something wrong, we can just correct them. <laughs> One thing I did note with like the change in dress and all that is that they did keep Luke in his leather jacket. Oh, you know, because uh, he's a rebel. Because he's yeah, he's the he's the rebel one, you know, that nobody knows underneath the boxes that you have to tick for your <laughs> your skull and bones memberships. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh, okay. So uh, after this big confrontation between. Luke and Caleb this is when they get called into Chairman Mandrake's office and we get this flashback to reveal what happened between Caleb and Will in the war room and we learn that Will had died accidentally from a fall that broke his neck mm -hmm. keep that in your back pocket there might be more to it <laughs> <laughs> So the next day, Luke meets with Senator Ames, and this is where we kind of, like, initiate some more plot, and we learn that Senator Ames is on the out-and-out out with Coach, because he doesn't like the way that Chairman Mandrake is running stuff, and it's like, who could care about their senatorial bids? I don't. That's the problem. The movie is now introducing this conflict an hour yeah. into its runtime. <laughs> mm -hmm. And why? Who... Well, they did touch on it. They did touch on it. Yeah. When uh, they all met at the first the party, I fancy, think. fancy dinner. Because yeah. he said, you know, that was tense between the senator and your dad. And he's right. like, yeah, and they were soulmates. And mm -hmm. it got worse since, you know, my dad beat him out to be the head of the skulls or whatever. <laughs> so that is kind of there. And I saw that part coming. But also, it's just like so much it's just so white people problem too right like oh i want to be senator before you get to be senator like who could fucking care it would be a little bit different if if that final 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 quote-unquote twist that ames was using luke all along had any weight to it but i can tell you right now when that reveal happened i was like of course fuck fuck movie and yeah i, end I was movie. just like oh were we not supposed to realize that because i figured it out literally in this scene at the one hour mm -hmm. mark mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but we just don't get this movie i think <sighs> we're too dumb <laughs> we're too dumb Okay, so this is when Luke goes back to his bad boy roots, and he recruits his deadbeat poor friends. Oh, they decide to execute a terrible sting operation where they're going to oh, follow this... Oh my god, no, no, can we talk okay. about this for a minute? No, yeah, th th this is camp, and I love it. I love With it. the, the little... <laughs> 
camera thing. Yes. Mm-hmm. Oh and my they're God, all this... hidden around like the okay. skull's headquarters. How do they have that camera if they're supposed to be again poor townies? Mm-hmm. How yeah. do they have that technology? <laughs> Unless we're meant to believe that they're actually like bad people. Like they're the the Connecticut uh, chapter of the the, <laughs> the car racing gang from Fast and the Furious. <laughs> yes, early pre because they're all about the cars, right? Right. Gets them to help because of the cars. And there's some excitement here because it's like, oh, cool. I hope these characters I've only seen once don't get caught. Yes. <laughs> and, you know, it's, it's, it's a heist. It's like, okay, cool. There's some energy here. There's like some, there's a fear that one of them will get caught. They don't. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But there's still like a, a, an energy in this scene that it's still not good, but this was one of the more watchable scenes in the film. Compared movie. to the whole film. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. In the grand <laughs> scheme of, the of things. Ones. <laughs> I do love, though, that he fashions his own role because he knows he's being watched. He's like, well, I'm going to go to class and listen to a really distracting earpiece. <laughs> In my notes, I have Luke goes to see his old trash friends from high school, I guess. They spy on the secret layer and in all caps, what the fuck, LOL, as like this this heist is going on. (laughs) It's very bizarre, but yes, it is kind of entertaining. And it doesn't really end up producing much at this point, particularly when Caleb swings by and he tells Luke, we're being watched all the time. So he sexy punches him a couple times. (laughs) Which again, bugs, they've not only bugged his apartment, but they've also bugged Chloe's apartment because who gives a fuck? Right. And who's watching all these tapes? No, I I wrote that too. (laughs) Who is what? I said, who listens to all of this? They're probably employing a workforce of hundreds of people just to listen for background details on all of these people. So they can blackmail each other constantly? <laughs> I guess so. Uh, yeah, like they, they hire, yeah, they hire hench people, well, hench men, they don't hire women. Mm-hmm. And that's it. Like that, they're just hired to stand yeah. at, their, at their, but again, for all of the alumni or just the people like that are currently attending the school? Yeah. The guy that was in charge of going, like grabbing the teeth, I was listening to him, I was like, who is that? This big beefy guy, I don't know. <laughs> no where. neck, no neck whatsoever. Oh, yeah. Bodybuilder or some kind of professional mm-hmm. wrestler, I think. That they threw in a suit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And actually, the film will answer our query about whether they're doing this with everyone because this is when Chairman Mandrake tries to execute Rule 88 to get Luke committed, but it requires unanimous vote. And this is when Senator Ames declines this. So he is blackmailed for having an affair with a 19-year-old, which means that he is also being surveyed. And... There is some interesting camera work here because we get some split diopter shots, which uh, we mention a lot. But yeah, like, they like to focus on Ames while we also get a look at the pretty angel statue behind him. So that's cinema. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> oh cinema. boy, we are digging deep here. <laughs> I mean, it is a first time cinematographer and I, you can tell he's just like, because there is this scene and then there's one later mm. i think it's a, it's in the interrogation room when the yes. camera keeps moving yes dutch angle for days but but it's constantly moving like yeah. the camera is shaking and i'm like okay i get what you're doing here but this is a little on the nose it's the only showy part of the film yeah, yeah. exactly yeah so this is where the plan luke's plan moves into the next stage so chloe stages a very loud very public a very fake breakup with him Hmm. i did love the fact that there is a you go girl adr as she stomps away yes 
again, it's it's so fucking stupid. But I I, I enjoyed watching this. But I was also kind of cringing because it reminded me of that Scream Two. Uh, I think I love you scene, but like the opposite. But it, because it's so fake, it's so obviously like an act. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was just cringing, like, oh my god, y'all, no one's buying this. <laughs> Chloe, take it down maybe one or two pegs because the volume is just pitched a little too high. <laughs> and the provost eats amongst the students. No. Is this Harry Potter? I have questions. <laughs> <laughs> well, there is a mandrake. <laughs> There's two, actually. So. He's not doing his job. He's he's spying on these kids. He's not doing his job. No. He, like, honestly, why not just make him the professor of dark magic history and have him, like, follow these kids around? Come on. <laughs> okay, so, yes, shockingly enough, this is all a ruse. Luke goes back, and they meet in the bathroom so that she can admit that she loves him, and they can have literal steamy sex. They are so proud of themselves for the the performance they just put on (laughs) that they got horny at the thought of it. Mm -hmm. We really fooled them. You should take off your clothes. Well, okay, we're we're forgetting because there's a whole thing earlier where Luke is telling Will, oh, I love Chloe, but I don't want to do anything because she comes from money and I'm poor and blah, 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 blah. And then that's just like nothing, like whatever. (laughs) Well, it's it's supposed to be that she can provide Luke an exit because she has money here. And he's like, no, don't you get it? They're following you. We'll have to go on the run forever. (laughs) Snooze. Oh, yeah, no, lack, lackluster. Yeah. Okay, so let, let's let do at least a fun bit. So before we get our car chase, we do have one other kind of fun sequence that's action-y. So we get um. a Chemical Brothers <laughs> mic drop as Luke steals this tape from the wrestler henchman. He's pursued in the streets by the provost until his poor friends rescue him. They're wearing mass no. and they rappel down fire escapes i was like, no this <laughs> yes when the yes. ropes drop <laughs> yes with the... how organized are they again they've got to be like the connecticut chapter <laughs> you know steffi that actually makes sense because they had about six tvs in the lair so right maybe they so have been many lifting TVs. tvs off the back of trucks using these skills. right the second the ropes because i was like oh shit he's caught and then the second the rope drops I literally was like, what the fuck is going on? Mm-hmm. And the mask. Where did this come from? <laughs> yes, the mask. You're exactly right. The hair right. and the... <laughs> and then Leslie Bibb is the getaway driver. Mm-hmm. And Luke doesn't seem surprised at all, despite the fact that he just told her to stay the fuck out of this. Oh, I didn't even catch that. Mm. Yeah, anyway. I missed that too. <laughs> None of us watched this movie. None of us watched <laughs> It was just, re- it was really boring. How can you pay attention? <laughs> it's like Nodos the movie. No, wait. Uh, or Sleep Aid the movie? There we go. Yes. Yeah. yeah. There you go. Yeah. Nodos would keep you awake. Yeah. Definitely not this one. No. <laughs> so now that they have the footage, they can watch it. And shockingly enough, I know this is going to surprise both of you. It turns out that there's more to Will's death than we ever knew. In fact, let's look closer. Let's look closer. Oh my god. Oh my god. Let's right? zoom in closer <laughs> on this footage. Wait, okay. And also all these different camera angles were on that one tape. Mm-hmm. It is a time lapse video that loses the time lapse the closer they zoom in. <laughs> and the picture quality gets better the closer they zoom in. Yeah, and the audio is consistent. Ah, oh, God. And yeah, the constant closer, 
Closer. Go in close. I'm like, shut the fuck up Enhance. and just watch it. Enhance. <laughs> I, I will say, though, I actually, again, in terms of suspense, you know it's coming. You know what the yes. fuck is happening here. Mm-hmm. I actually, I, I like Leslie Bibb's reaction when the neck snaps. Like, when she's mm-hmm. like, I, I think that's all. I think, it, I think it's yeah. played well. Mm-hmm. What I don't think plays well is Paul Walker's, no! Yes. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, no. It was... So over the top. Here's the thing. Can any actor actually pull that off? No. I don't think an actor in history can pull off the no. Sylvester Stallone? Hmm. What it be? Is that like an Iraqi movie? Yes. (laughs) I will say the callbacks on this episode are strong and deep. It's because there's nothing else to talk about. (laughs) (laughs) We we have to rest on our laurels. (laughs) This is true. Uh, So with this damning footage, Luke goes to Detective Patronizer. But shockingly (laughs) enough, I know you're both again going to be absolutely shocked. There's nothing on this tape but snow. Yep. Was it? I saw more snow on my last snow skiing trip. (laughs) Whatever the fuck he says. (laughs) Yeah, like, thanks, day player. Get out of this office. (laughs) And I'll have to admit, I had looked away while that was said, and I thought it was a cocaine reference. Yes! I got my attention. (laughs) And it was not. It was a a TV screen. Anything to keep me awake during this. Like, (laughs) someone give me a bump right now. God. Yeah, this is where we get those swooping Dutch angles, and Luke is pinned down, he is sedated, and he's carted off to an asylum. So this basically becomes Chloe's film. There is an ambulance (laughs) waiting outside to take him away. (laughs) Yeah, they had this all set up. (laughs) They're on top of it. What can we say? Yeah. So Chloe goes to a sexy, sweating Caleb as he boxes his one true passion. Mm. And she asks him to tell the truth, and he's like, no, I don't think I'm going to do that. And she's like, okay, well, bye. So that's a pointless scene. (laughs) She goes, just so you know, when you left the thing, Will wasn't dead. But then she doesn't say anything else. She doesn't say, yeah, the the provost came in and snapped his neck, by the (laughs) way. Why doesn't she tell him what happened? Nobody is actually saying anything in this. Well, they're not. Everything's supposed to be a secret. Right. (laughs) Yes. Oh, I forgot. (laughs) It's all a secret. Uh, oh this is when Chloe is chased around campus by this provost who literally has not spent a day in his office doing his actual job. <laughs> I don't know why they have this character be the provost. It doesn't make sense to me. Why don't you just make him a henchman? Uh, yeah, no, that's true. Yeah, or just yeah, any other job that wouldn't require him to be, well, no, no, he needs to be a henchman. You're right. Because if, he, if he's like a, an elite of some sort, mm-hmm. he has to have a job that he has to be doing. <laughs> well, I thought maybe he was a lawyer and that's why he was able to get Luke away from Detective mm-hmm. Patronizer. But then it's like, oh, this is the provost of the university. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Why are you running errands? Yeah, so this is when uh, Chloe runs around campus. She eventually uses her dumbwaiter. She then runs like Cindy in Scary Movie for a little bit. (laughs) I'm not crazy! (laughs) She's got those flappy arms a-cooking. She runs into Senator Ames, and they concoct this plan where he just drives her to the asylum, and she checks Luke out. He says, get in the car, and she just goes, okay. (laughs) Question, has she met him before? Did she? I don't think so. I don't think so. I don't think so. Uh. But uh, maybe, maybe she knows he's Ames because he's a senator. Right. 
but nevertheless, though, she would know that he's involved in the skulls because hasn't Luke mentioned, mentioned him? Right. Yeah, that's what I would think, yeah. or at least would have. I don't, you know. But yeah, get in the car. I'll take you to Luke, and she's just gonna stare. She's like, okay, okay. <laughs> Your friend just got sent to an asylum. You yeah. should be on edge because these people clearly have powerful connections. Don't just get into cars with strange men. Yeah, I thought she was gonna at least, you know, say something like yeah. question him, maybe. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But no. <laughs> no, no, it's fine. And and it's all okay, because they just go to this asylum, they check Luke out, and they get back into the car, and yep. Senator Ames is like, hey, by the way, we live by the rules, we die by the rules. Have a nice day! And they drive away. Oh, <laughs> uh, God. But of course, we do get this suggestion that he's going to betray them because he makes a phone call that says, they're all yours. Which is the call to Detective Patronizer. Yes, correct. Yes. But we don't know that yet. Yeah, we think it's for the provost. Mm -hmm. Right. So this is where we get our high-speed chase scene. And Mm -hmm. initially, I was trying to clock it like, ooh, she almost got run off the road. Ooh, she almost ran him off the road. And then you're like, oh, none of it actually matters. All you need to know Mm -hmm. is that she crashes into a dead end on the railroad tracks. Yes. My favorite moment in this entire movie is when she like does kind of run that car off the road, and she just goes yes, <laughs> like she, she has like her moment of victory, and I'm like, oh yay, good for you, and then the car goes back. Yeah, I love that they're all generic black SUVs because of course, <laughs> yes, with no yes. other cars on the road. No, of course not. <laughs> Uh, This is when Luke is nearly assassinated by the provost, but this is when Detective Patronizer shows up to kill him by shooting him in the back, and he returns the Skull's rule book, which suggests that he has either been told to give it to him by Senator Ames, or that he is, yes, under the employ of the Skulls. Or he Mm -hmm. is a Skull? Or he is a Skull. Mm Mm-hmm. Which would track, because they clearly have expertise in covering up crimes. Mm -hmm. But here's the thing. This... I mean, again, I know it can't because we still have to go through this whole fucking Caleb shit. Oh, my God. This this set piece should have been the climax of yes. this movie. Yeah. Yes. I thought it was. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Because you forget about Caleb. <laughs> he's not a character. <laughs> even though this is the main conflict. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's not even like, oh, okay, well, we're almost done. It's like, no, we've got about 12 or 15 minutes left in yeah. this movie. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember checking checking the time yeah. around this time being <laughs> like, oh. <laughs> oh, why? All right. <laughs> so they have to check into a motel. They have to open their product placement Levi's bag to put on <laughs> some new clothes. They check out the book, and Rule 119 suggests that the gentlemanly means is their way out of this. Yes. Oh my god. See, that excited me, because I thought, again, it would hopefully maybe be better than it ended up being. (gasps) Like, you've got to pork your way out of this problem. I zoned out during this scene, because I was riding off the high of the car chase. I'm like, oh, now we're back in a room? Like, what the fuck is this? So, when he he goes to the thing and, like, starts invoking rules, I was like, when did he do- Oh, that's the scene that I stopped paying attention. (laughs) wait trace did you miss that glorious moment where we see luke rowing to the island oh my god i actually did not see that i did i did not see that yeah Yeah, and then i was just like row pacey row (laughs) he's a skull rowing a skull to skull island you bet oh my god can you imagine if kong just showed up to crash this party Kong Skull Island is actually a secret sequel to the Skulls. <laughs> it's a shared universe with Fast and the Furious. <laughs> Again, better movie. Yeah. 
Okay, so he shows up on the island as they're apparently still finishing this uh, initiation ceremony all this time. Like, what are the rest of these boys just been doing? Fucking each other and going to class? I'm not gonna lie. I did not realize this is a private island because I missed him rowing to it. So while they're going to do the duel stuff, I was like, why are they doing this out in the open? Isn't Mm -hmm. someone going to walk by? (laughs) (laughs) Just a couple of co-eds. Yeah, it's just a casual, you know, Thursday night in Yale University. And it's two guys having a duel out out in the quad. I mean, honestly, that that sounds like it could be possible. Oh, just a couple of guys dueling with old tiny pistols. Yep. Welcome to Yale. (laughs) Oh, my God. So yes, uh, this is where Luke challenges Caleb because he still acts like Caleb is the one that he needs to do something to. Yeah. I I don't understand why his attention isn't focused on Chairman Mandrake. Well, then Caleb's dad goes to step in, right? And I thought, oh, that's his plan. He's going to shoot his dad. Mm -hmm. No. No, no. No, there's another rule. Yeah, yeah. So it turns out that Chairman Mandrake cannot intercede because he is akin of one of the challenged people like and at this point you're just like jesus christ stop explaining rules because we don't care just get to it already like it is the last five minutes of your movie that's supposed to be suspenseful (laughs) Mm -hmm. so basically we have luke and caleb standing back to back they have chosen their pistols they take 10 These ridiculous, steps. Ridiculous, <laughs> ridiculous old school mm-hmm. pistols. I love that it's like, choose your weapon and it's three different derivations of the same weapon. And that they have the whole team that comes and like puts it together for them. Okay. Which I think is important <laughs> to what happens later. Like, yes. But like, okay, this was Luke's plan from the beginning was I'm just going to drop the gun and mm-hmm. hope for the best. Yep. <laughs> and then I was hoping that he would still shoot his dad. You mean shoot Caleb's dad, right? No, Caleb would shoot his dad. But yes, that's what I was hoping. Yes. Well, because that that is what happens though, right? So Luke drops his weapon. He pleads with Caleb to tell the truth, which is like, dude, we all know the truth. We don't need Caleb to say it because these are also all skull people. Nobody cares. They want you dead and gone. Okay, wait, wait, wait. Question. Detective Patronizer is working under Ames. Yes. Why did he switch out the tape if he's working for Ames? Unclear. It's like maybe well, they weren't ready to make the is move. A member of the Skull and Bones, then, okay. so he needs to appear that he is doing what. Yes. Mandrake wants. Oh my god. Well, there's another plan going on. It's oh kind of god. where I took it. So there's multiple plans, but we as the audience are not privy to them because Luke is not privy to them. Sure. And also everything's supposed to be a secret. Right, yes. As we've established, everything's a secret. I can just see Rob Cohen in interviews this movie. What about this? Oh, well, it's a secret. It's a secret. Uh, Okay, well, what about this? Oh, it's a secret. (laughs) You just don't get it. (laughs) You just didn't understand the depth. Mm -hmm. Yeah, basically, Luke more or less brokers on the fact that he's going to be able to talk Caleb out of this. And then this doesn't sit well with Chairman Mandrake. So he picks up a gun and goes to shoot Luke. So to save his soulmate, this is when Caleb shoots his own father. And I'm pretty sure that he gets him just around the shoulder. Like he is definitely I bleeding, but he's not dead. that Caleb's dad's gun backfired. That's how much attention I was paying. <laughs> uh, okay. See, and that's why I thought it was ridiculous, because I was like, they had this, like, team setting up Okay, so, y'all are right. I, so, I, I, I misread the Wikipedia page. <laughs> even even though I was, I, you're, I, yes, he gets shot in, like, the right shoulder, like, you are correct. Yes. 
it says Caleb shoots his own father. Caleb, mortified at what he has done, tries to kill himself, but yes. is stopped by Luke. I think when I was reading this, I had like I'm not dyslexic. I think I switched the word shoots and kill himself. So mm. I read Caleb kills his own father. Right. <laughs> that would have been also more interesting. That would have been better. Yeah. Because the reason I think, Steffi, that you maybe had some confusion about this is also mm-hmm. because the way it is edited, where you see mm-hmm. Caleb go to point and you're supposed to be thinking, oh, did he shoot Luke or did he shoot his dad? But then you're just like, Okay, but maybe also do the follow through, like show us shooting his father and the father falling down. So basically, yeah, the only deaths in this movie are Will and mm-hmm. the provost, right? Yeah. yeah. The only reason the provost dies is because he murdered Will, because Coach does not murder anyone. Like, this movie is a mess. Okay, ba- basically, Caleb's dad, Craig T. Nelson, thought that uh, Will was already dead, right? Well, when Caleb calls him, yes, but then the provost shows up and realizes that Will is still alive. So he's on the phone with Chairman Mandrake, and he says, okay, well, take care of it. Because I was going to say, maybe the reason they don't kill him is because he didn't, didn't, like, intentionally murder anyone or have a part in the murder of someone. But you are right. He is on the phone with the provost when Mm -hmm. it happens. So he should be killed. Which is why I was hoping that, you know, someone was going to kill him, like, Mm-hmm. Luke was getting him to, you know, switch his spot with his son in the duel or just anything. Yeah, anything, you know, it wasn't just like, well, now my dad has a gun drawn on me, so I'm going to shoot him or has a gun drawn, so I'm going to shoot him first. Yeah. It's basically just, okay, well, we're closing the loop on the daddy issues for this mm-hmm. pairing because mm-hmm. Caleb finally gets to say, no, fuck you, dad. I am a person with agency and I'm going to do something meaningful, which is to shoot you. And then, mm-hmm. yeah, he tries to die by suicide. But because he and Luke are soulmates, Luke prevents this from happening. But it's just, it's not very satisfying because we want to see Chairman Mandrake die. And it would be yes. far more satisfying to see Caleb actually have that agency and kill his father. Yes. Yep. Because you know the skulls are going to cover it all up. Yes, 100%. Yeah. Not a big deal. So basically, that is somehow our climax of this movie. Yay. Oh my god. <laughs> But we do have one final couple of scenes with Senator Ames. <laughs> the, the movie is still going. <laughs> it's still going, y'all. Yeah. So Senator Ames confirms, yes, he was using Luke to get rid of Chairman Mandrake this whole time. Shocker. And he asks if Luke will be able to resist the call if he calls in a favor later, even if it jeopardizes his wife and his children and his career. And of course, Luke says, yeah, I will. And then he strides out into the sunlight as Senator Ames says, good job, or uh, something to that extent. Yeah, like way to go, kid, or something. I think, wait, 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 it's on the Wikipedia page. <laughs> he goes, well done, son. I can't there the we accent. Go. Well done, son. <laughs> well done. Yeah. Ugh. And then Ugh. we just see Luke rowing to a literal lighthouse. So Leslie Bibbs, Chloe, is his his light in the darkness. And he follows that. And then they smooch. And they walk away. And then we get more late 90s rock. I'm sorry. But, like, if she would have known his plan, I don't think she would have let him go to that island. Because she would have been like, um, he might fucking shoot you. <laughs> Your plan is nonsense. Let's just get in my car and drive away. <laughs> Ugh. All right. Thoughts on the skulls, Hi. everybody. <laughs> Steffi, go. <laughs> I uh, I don't even know. <laughs> You're delusional now. What have we done to you? Oh, my goodness. 
you know, I talked to my friend after I rewatched again today and she's like, well, what do you think of it? I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay to like it. It's okay to enjoy well, no, it. Well, no, it's, I don't know because I just have like zero feelings on it because it gave mm-hmm. me zero feelings. Right. That's kind of right. Because I, I gave this a two on Letterboxd because I was like, I don't hate it enough to be a yeah. one. Yeah, but I think it's... once I go to Letterboxd later, I'll probably give it a two. Mm-hmm. That seems like an appropriate. But but you're right, though. I feel nothing about this movie. And to me, that's worse than me hating it. <laughs> like, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, if it was bad, then at least it evokes some feeling. There's nothing that made me feel about this movie, except for the small little tidbits we talked about. But it's not enough. Mm. No, this is too long for what it's giving us. There aren't enough high peaks and the character work isn't there. Even the satisfaction of seeing bad guys get punished doesn't work no. because it doesn't it's not satisfying. It. Like this movie is just such a blank slate where you think, wow, this is really all you could think to do with such a fun, interesting premise. And it's so disappointing, but not disappointing enough that you just want to trash it and give it a one. Which yeah. I, I will tell you too. So like Rob Cohen's next film is the next year's Fast and the Furious. And mm-hmm. while it's a better movie than this, I, I will argue that that is one of the worst entries in that franchise because I actually do think it's very boring <laughs> compared to some of the later entries. Oh, I've for only sure. seen like the first two. <gasps> oh, I know. Oh my God. Oh my God. Hey, <laughs> five. Like, I made my husband. I was like, you have to watch the rest of these. He's like, but I hate the first one so much. And I was like, okay, I know. So Wikipedia, the with the plots for one through four, we're going to watch five oh God. and six and seven. And then we're going to go see eight in theaters because this is when this was happening. And he was, he thought five was fine. He loved six, loved seven, and loved eight. <laughs> Like, so big, big recommend on the last half of the Fast and Furious franchise. Okay. All right. So then, yeah, I might I might take that advice and just read synopsis. Mm-hmm. They just get really increasingly more ridiculous. And when the films start to realize that you can throw not just like a big budget action sequences, but also mm-hmm. larger than life big personalities. Mm-hmm. You know, when they start introducing Jason Statham, when they start introducing The Rock mm-hmm. and that kind of stuff, like it really just gives that cast a lift. And it's because in the first three, it's really more about car racing. Four is kind of a yes. hybrid, but it's really bad. But starting with five, they become heist films. It's not mm-hmm. about car racing anymore. Yes. And that's when they yeah. and that's when they that's become That's what good. it found it. Yeah. It found its footing. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I think I'm just going to have to, yeah, you know, two coffins in the basement <laughs> of a secret society out of 10. Yes, I will give this two green crystal skulls. I will give this two rays of yellow, yellow, yellow sunlight. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, that is the skulls, everybody. But before we announce that we're covering next week, Steffi, first of all, thank you for coming on to discuss this thank film. Thank you yes. for having me. Apologies to you. We are so sorry we did this to you. Well, it's so funny because I saw Teresa's tweet about it and I hadn't I hadn't watched it again myself yet. And I was just like, hey. <laughs> and then I watched it again myself and it was like, oh, <laughs> well, speaking of Twitter, let everyone know where they can find you. And I mean, talk about your stuff. Like we'll talk about your Twitch and whatever you're working on. Uh, okay. So on Twitter, you can find me as immortal underscore graves. I stream three days a week on Twitch on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. And I'm mortal graves without the underscore there. <laughs> 
And I stream a lot of Elder Scrolls Online, and sometimes I do a lot of horror in there when I can. Yeah. And uh, we like to have lots of uh, community-based chats and, and talk about different topics. Well, I do, like, really, really terrible gaming. <laughs> uh. <laughs> no, but you know what? I, I think, though, I mean, not that you're not a terrible gamer, by the way, but I think uh. <laughs> I think not being, like, an expert, because, again, like, like, so many times, yes. I mean, it's stereotypical when I watch, like, the few times that I watch people like streaming gaming, it, they're either assholes or they're like yeah. huge experts. And I'm like, I feel really like out of touch, not out of touch, but like, I feel like I'm not on the same level of experience mm-hmm. or skill in whatever game they're playing. So I, I, it doesn't make me want to watch it. And yeah. watching you speak, A, again, you're very soothing and calming to listen to, but you're also very personable and relatable, which I, I think Aww. is great. Yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you very much. And yeah, you guys were, were on the stream once playing Among Us. Oh, I, uh, I was yes. very drunk. Oh, yes, Trace you were. doesn't remember much of it, and it's, again, probably for the best. Yeah, that's probably the best. <laughs> I'm really confused. There is, there is a little bit of it on YouTube. Oh God, <laughs> <laughs> I will not be watching that. <laughs> Y'all, go, 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 give her some views, please. Do it. Yeah. <laughs> Which you can find all, all my links on my Twitter bio to all the other stuff. Uh, but yeah, generally you can find me as Immortal Graves pretty much everywhere. Nice. Well, if you want to get in touch with us, you can reach us on Twitter and Instagram at HorrorQueers and join our Facebook Horror Queers group to hang out with other listeners. Also, follow us on Letterboxd to keep track of all the films we've covered on the main feed and on the Patreon. If you have a moment, please rate and review us on your podcatcher of choice. Uh, and if you want even more content, please support the show by becoming a patron at patreon.com slash horrorqueers. We are almost out of Hillbilly Horror Month, but we're still in there. So we've got episodes on The New Wrong Term, the remake of The Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the controversial home episode of The X-Files, and an audio commentary on the remake of The Hills Have Eyes. <laughs> Joe. Yes. We are closing out March next week, so... How are we celebrating the end of this month? Oh boy, it's time to revisit another franchise, and I'm feeling a little childish, Trace, so (laughs) I think we should do some Tilly worship with Bride of Chucky. Ugh, ugh, best one in the franchise. I'm so excited. (laughs) (laughs) It's where things actually get gay, unlike this damn movie. No. (laughs) (laughs) Too true. But everyone, tune in next week, and until then... We can cross out the skulls. And cross out horror queers. You've made it to the end of another bloody disgusting podcast. Congratulations. If you like our programming, consider searching for other bloody disgusting podcasts, such as Creepy, Horror Queers, The Boo Crew, SCP Archives, Nightlight, Margaret's Garden, Nightmare on Film Street, and more. <laughs>